This episode is brought to you by my new Consult Like a Boss Accelerator. In this program, you'll implement a framework that will turn your corporate expertise into a consulting business. If you're a new or aspiring consultant who wants to go from no leads to paying clients, go to bit.ly forward slash join consult like a boss to learn more and join today. Seats are limited for this round, so act fast. It doesn't take too much of your time to put them together. It's your expertise that you're putting together and you're packaging it in that format, a downloadable workbook. But on the flip side of things, when you're putting it together, you also better get straight to the point. This isn't the time to tell your life story and issue a dissertation because people have probably paid $20 and they just want to get in and get out with the information. The other great part about these digital downloads is that it's passive income for you. But in order for it to be viable passive income for you, you have to have a way to continuously promote it so that people know that it's available. And then it becomes very much a volumes game where you have to get a lot of people to download it in order for you to earn any, any considerable income from that digital download. So you have to factor in how much effort are you willing to spend in promoting that $20 digital download in order to get a significant amount of income. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pele, and welcome to episode 108 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. For this episode, I'm sharing five ways you can package your expertise into digital products and services. When I first launched my business, I was tempted to try every new process and gimmick I came across, from e-commerce stores to live events. Trust me, I've tried quite a few things. If you're a new or aspiring online service-based business, your best bet is to start with one solid offer before going too broad. Shiny object syndrome is real. So let's break down some of the pros and cons of some of the offerings I've tried. As a reminder, this series of episodes is recorded during our weekly Instagram Live. So from time to time, you may hear me responding to comments from the audience or hear the voice of someone I've invited to come on live with me. Before we hear the rest of this episode, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so amazing stories we share on this show can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off-script as I share five ways you can package up your expertise into digital products and services. Today, I'm really excited about this topic because it's something that we all go through as we are going through our business growth journey. We know what our core expertise is, but for some reason, we see what other people are doing and we wonder whether or not that might be good for us to try. But ultimately, whenever you dilute yourself, you have a finite amount of resources as far as employees, your your time as an individual and how much money you have to spend on something. So depending on how much of that resource you have, you may dilute yourself by jumping around too much and incorporating too much in your portfolio of services that you offer. So today I thought let's just go through some of the delivery methods for sharing your expertise that I tend to like 
And I wanted to share my experience with them and then share some pros and cons so that as you are trying to figure out what works for you, you can have a reference. My goal today is not to convince you of any one way to go. Really, my thought here is everyone has a different industry. You all have a different set of clients that respond to different things. Not everyone wants to sit on a live like this in the middle of the afternoon and consume information in this way. And not everyone, and that's why, for example, this Tuesday live, I also turn into a podcast episode because some people prefer to consume their information in a podcasting format so that they can multitask when they're working out or doing chores around the house. So you have to cater your delivery method to the preference of your ideal consumer, your final consumer. So if you're jumping around doing things because they seem cool, shiny, the latest and greatest, but your end consumer is not really feeling whatever you're putting out there in whatever way you're doing it, then you're going to have to rethink that delivery method. So today we're going to go over five ways you can package up your expertise so that you have options. Um, and then remember that the goal isn't to try all of these, but is to Pick one or two that you want to focus on and use those until you perfect them. Perhaps once you have a bigger team or maybe you found a way to further segment your audience and you understand that they're going to respond to different um, delivery methods in better ways, then you can diversify in that way. All right. So I'm going to organize these by way of, I would say, cheapest to maybe more expensive and time intensive. Let's go that way. So the first delivery method that I think a lot of people are familiar with, if you're in the online business space, you're probably familiar with digital downloads. These are PDFs or workbooks that people have packaged and all you have to do is you know, pay for it and you're able to download it. Now with these, I mean, I would say that the pros of digital downloads is the fact that it doesn't take too much of your time to put them together. It's your expertise that you're putting together and you're packaging it in that format, a downloadable a, a workbook. But on the flip side of things, when you're putting it together, you also better get straight to the point. This isn't the time to tell your life story and issue a dissertation because people have probably paid $20 and they just want to get in and get out with the information. The great part, I would say the other great part about these digital downloads is that it's passive income for you. But in order for it to be viable passive income for you, you have to have a way to continuously promote it so that people know that it's available. And then it becomes very much a volumes game where you have to get a lot of people to download it in order for you to earn any, any considerable income from that digital download. So you have to factor in how much effort are you willing to spend in promoting that $20 digital download in order to get a significant amount of income from it. Um, so that's number one, the digital downloads. Number two is a paid masterclass. You'll see a lot of people offering free masterclasses, and they will often do that as a way to introduce people to their brand, as a way to introduce you to maybe a higher ticket offer that they have available. Paid masterclasses can still perform that same function, but it's a way, I would say, for you to give 
more impactful information. And it's the fact that it's paid is also a way to weed out people who just click on things and register for things because they seem cool, but they don't show up because it's free and it's not a priority for them. But once you attach a price ticket to things, people think twice about clicking into it. And then for you as a business owner, you get higher quality leads from that paid masterclass that you're offering. But on the flip side, if you're offering a paid masterclass, people are going to want to leave with some significant amount of value. Now, these paid masterclasses, you're probably going to see them in the range of 90 to maybe 150, 150 US dollars, because at this, it, it is slightly a volumes game, but you're from a, a creator's perspective, you're able to offer this moderate price point because you're hoping that it's going to expose you to quite a few more people than a one-on-one service would. And it can be a gateway product for you. So once people register for this, they're on your email list, and then you can also upsell them and introduce them to higher ticket offers that you have. But by the same token, if this, if you're not for them, or if they decide that they're not going to delve further into other offers you have, no harm done. It's a fair exchange of value where they spent time with you. They were able to receive the value you had to offer. But then on your side, you were compensated for your time. So master classes, I would say, are a great way to get your name out there while also not getting or falling into the trap of always creating free content, free content, free content that is not necessarily giving you the return that you need because people are just you know, mindlessly clicking on your free offer, but not engaging with it to the extent you need them to engage with it in order for you to get any return for the time you've spent into producing it. Now, that is another, I would say, con or pro, depending on how you see this. Masterclasses are going to require a much more thought out outlay from you in that you're going to need to figure out what the technology support is going to need to be. So in order to host a masterclass, there are a lot of platforms to consider. For example, you could use Zoom. You could use Webinar Jam as another popular one people people have out there. Or the way I'm running my challenge right now is using OBS to do a live stream into, into the Facebook group, which allows you to kind of put your slides in there as well. So there are a lot of technology considerations when it comes to offering live masterclasses. So you want to think about that. You could go high tech, low tech, and I think that's also going to determine the price point. The experience people get when they're in that masterclass with you will also determine the price point you decide to set for the masterclass. So next up, you have courses. So courses, I would say this is something that you probably shouldn't consider until you have mastered your one-on-one offering, because this is a way for you to scale. And because it's a way for you to scale, they don't tend to have a price point as high as your one-on-one offerings or the VIP offerings we're going to cover next on our list. But when you have a course, it's a way for you to, once again, bundle your expertise, but offer it to a broader range of people. Now, it's going to be at the higher price point, meaning that you're going to 
put in more effort to market it. You're going to put in more effort to create it. So most courses that you're going to you're going to see are hosted on some sort of a course platform, like maybe a Teachable or a Kajabi or a Thinkific. And they are very well laid up, but there's a monthly fee associated with those platforms. And in in addition to that, in order for your course to perform well and in order for you to get the best feedback, you're going to have to put together some sort of video um, lesson that people can consume at their own pace. And it's probably going to need to come along with some workbooks. So you're spending a lot of time to put together this, this course. So you will need to make sure that it speaks to the level of... Um, of experience that you have. It also speaks to the, the reputation that you want to have for creating excellent content. So it's not necessarily the first thing you want to do out of the gate. Um, you probably want to get your feet wet with other service offerings first so that you understand what are people responding to before you spend all the money in an effort and resources to create a course that people may not want. So you want to be mindful of that. Um, so those are courses. Next, you have VIP days, which are an offering that I've recently come to learn about and love. I learned about them through Jordan Gill, who was on, on my podcast. And this is one of her, the main offerings she has is she teaches people how to structure VIP days. And essentially, a VIP day is going to be a way for you to package your expertise and offer a transformation within a very short period of time. So a VIP day I offer, for example, is a content strategy VIP day. So we're going to take you from not knowing what to post and what to say online to now having a well thought out content strategy for how to show up online, how to present your brand and how to increase your conversions as a result when it comes to selling whatever it is you're trying to, to sell. Now, in order to put together a VIP day, you have to be extremely organized. You're going to have to um, gather a lot of data up front so that when you spend the six hours during one setting, during one day with your customers, with your clients, it's impactful and they come out the other end with exactly what you're promising. So other types of VIP days that I've heard are out there would be, for example, people will do websites for you within that six hour period. So it might be Maybe not a fancy website with all the bells and whistles, but you might get a four-page website within a, a course of six hours. You're probably not going to be live one-on-one -on -one with the course, with the website creator the whole time, but they will maybe build in some milestones and check-ins. And that's how I like to operate, where I have a form that you're going to sign or fill in up front so that I have all the information I need. And then throughout the day, we have check-ins so that you can approve facets of the work before I proceed so that we make sure that at the end of the day, you're seeing a package that you have had insight into and I haven't necessarily gone away and come back and said, surprise, and then you're not happy with the output. I think with the website building, it was similar for her. They had checkpoints throughout the day. So at the end of the day, someone can say, Yes, I got a website that I needed. Now, because you're giving someone a transformation that is just like 
within the course of a day, they go from no website to a website, it comes at a higher price point, right? You're talking high four figures to have a VIP day with somebody because you waste no time. You There's just no um, going back and forth. You're someone who is ready to get work done whenever you're working with someone on a VIP day. So you want to really focus on on the quality of your delivery so that there's no time wasted. You're extremely efficient in the way that you're delivering your service when you get to the point where you're offering a VIP day. So you can kind of see the progression to this point where you're starting with maybe a one-page, two-page downloadable PDF, or you're getting comfortable with just having people on a live masterclass, or you're getting comfortable with creating courses where you, maybe you you won't even need to have face-to-face time with people because you've pre-recorded and pre-created everything to the point where now this is a high-ticket, high-touch type of interaction when you have a VIP day because the the amount of work and the amount of transformation is going to be high. Now, you also can see that at the level where you're offering a VIP day, your expertise needs to be high. This isn't going to be an offer for someone who's still figuring things out because this is not where you come to play around. This is where you come when you know exactly what you're going to do and you can just create it pretty much on the spot for the person who's on the other side of that that table virtually or physically from you. So this probably is a delivery. This is a delivery method that I enjoy. My clients enjoy that they are able to set aside the time. And at the end of that time block, they get exactly what they need. However, it's not for everybody. So remember at the top of this conversation, I talked about the fact that you need to consider your audience. You need to consider your clients. Not everyone's going to want to sit down for six hours and work on whatever it is. Sometimes they want me, they may want done for you services. And maybe that's how you structure your VIP days is they meet with you at the beginning of the day. You kind of they give you your marching your marching orders, and then you go back and at the end of the day, after a few virtual checkpoints, then they don't have to touch it. You do it for them. So there are different ways to deliver a VIP day, but you want to make sure that whatever you're delivering or whatever mechanism you're using to deliver your digital offer, that it makes sense not only for you in that you're comfortable doing it with excellence, but it also makes sense for the customers that you're working with. Okay, so last but not least is one-on-one coaching and consulting. When you're doing something one-on-one, I would say it's a great entry point because there are a lot of different levels at which you can do one-on-one coaching and consulting. You could do a 15-minute clarity call where someone just gets accustomed with you and learns what it is like to work with you, or you could have um, packages where people check in with you at different points, like four times a month. Um, and they check in with you and you coach them on whatever emerging issues they have. Or if you are going to do one-on-one consulting packages, it it could be that someone has you on retainer and every month you have an allotted amount of time that you're going to work with them on tackling whatever um, they've retained you to tackle. Now, for retainer services, that tends to be with more advanced 
corporate type clients, right? Or medium-sized businesses that do have the budget to retain your services and bring you back month after month. Now, in these cases, you often have to, number one, know exactly what your offering is and make sure that there's no scope creep because they may have retained you for X, but at the end of the day, you may get more and more asked to do more and more, more and more things that they need help with. And so I think for those one-on-one consulting services, it's important that you have a, a clear framework around the way you're going to work, because at the end of the day, if you're not confident enough to set boundaries around it, then you start to find yourself feeling burnt out because you're working overtime and being responsive at all hours of the night to the client that you're working with. So, but consulting services, as I said, that's my bread and butter. And I love it because there's so much flexibility around it. I think there's an opportunity to create recurring income with consulting, and you're able to um, work with a diverse pool of clients that have that specific issue that you're able to solve for them. So, but then again, consulting is not for everybody because you have to be able to, you're independent and you're the one responsible for creating a solution to their issues, right? And so your name is on the line to bring to them the outcomes that they need to see. So you, there's a, a level of trust that you're going to be building with your clients. There's a level of um, expertise that you yourself have to have to have in hand before you even approach a client. And so um, I think your level of competence is going to, is going to, be higher, I would say, on the scale when it comes to VIP days and when it comes to consulting. Now, I would say I I did rank these in order of of price, in order of effort. Um, I would say VIP days and consulting services are probably on par. The difference being that a lot of people love VIP days because they're a quick cash, cash injection into your business. And after six hours, you're done. Unless you, of course, offer, which I do offer um, a package or as a part of your package, you offer some check-ins so people after the fact, so people can come back and ask you questions, right? But if you don't have that included and things typically are signed off after that six hour period, then you're done. So this is probably for people who don't like the longer term relationships and want to be able to just have one quick hit project with someone and say bye or um, have that person come back when they truly need them again for a similar service. So it's going to, once again, depend on what you enjoy doing, what your end client needs from you, and where that overlaps is probably what you're going to pick when it comes to these different delivery methods that we've talked about today. So that was 23 minutes of almost of me just running through these five types of ways that you can package your expertise into a digital offer. I would I would love to know. Do you guys have any questions on what kind of digital offerings you either the, the digital offerings that I've gone through or digital offerings that you are currently offering that I didn't um, touch on because I would love to learn about other ways to offer services out there. But of course, as I said at the top of this conversation, your goal isn't to offer as many as possible because that just dilutes your uh, resources, but it's really just to pick one or two that are going to be the best delivery methods for you and then 
use those to grow, scale your business until you're at a point where you're able to diversify. Any questions about the best way to package up your expertise for you? Maybe you want to kind of walk through what your offering is and how it is that maybe the best way for you to package your offering would be. So do I have any ideas for healthcare professionals? Ooh, as far as if you want to come on live with me, Emma, you're welcome to do that because I would love details on what you do as a healthcare professional and who are you serving as a healthcare professional? Is your, are you in medical sales, for example? Is your client the hospitals? And you're wondering, well, what's the best way to deliver your expertise to hospitals as clients? Or is, it, is your client an everyday person like me? Are you a doctor who has clients that um, you want to act right so you don't have to see them? Which, which one is it? So you're an RN, so you're, and you are trying to figure out how to package your medical knowledge. Hi. Hi. Um, but I definitely want to hear more about what, what do you do as an RN? Because I know there are lots of different focuses when it comes to RN. Are you pediatrics? Are you uh, community health? What do you do? So I'm, um, I'm a hospice RN. Okay. Hospice. Yeah. So, um, I mean, right off the bat, something I'm looking at is um, probably provide um, like care for our patients, you know, end of life care. And so um, most of my patients, what I find that they need is that one-on-one care. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking um, maybe be that provider that can link them to people who can you know help take care of their loved ones mm-hmm. towards the end of life so i don't know how i can you know package that service um for them you know rather than the patients i start to think about the family members who have a loved one in hospice and i can imagine this is a very difficult time for them because um, when someone goes to hospice, it's a terminal situation. And yes. I'm guessing that their families probably need resources on how to manage and how to deal with it. And so I think that's where I would focus because you've seen both of it, right? You've seen both sides of it. You've seen how how the best maybe family members act, things that they do in order to make the passing of their loved one comfortable. So I would, that's what I would focus on. As far as delivery methods, I would have to think about, do people have the time to sit in a live webinar like this when they have not only their lives and their jobs to contend with, but they also have this loved one who is on their deathbed. So chances are they don't have time to go through a course. I would say some sort of a downloadable that they can have. Perhaps a course that's pre-recorded, maybe in but in shorter shorter duration, right? So that people can quickly consume the information. Yeah. But a combination of either a digital download for them or a um digital download or that course that has short, maybe video segments, but also has then um, printable, downloadable worksheets that they can use, that they can use as, sorry, as reference points for when they are faced with this situation. 
Um, because depending on who you are, your stay in hospice may not be long. So they don't have, you know, six weeks to go through a six week long course. They need the information and the relief and the um, consolation now. Right. That's that's true. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And again, you're right. Um, I think the target group would be more of the family than the patient himself, because I mean, half the time, you know, they're bedridden. So the family is who your target will be. And then, like you said, they won't have the time to sit and actually, you know, like go through a program or a course with you. So probably like a downloadable might be a good idea. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then as far as your marketing method, um, I would say Facebook ads are going to be a great way for you to go because when you think about and because you're in this field, you know what people are searching for. When you have a loved one in hospice, what are the kinds of things you need? And Facebook ads are great in that you can target people who like certain things. So what are people who have a loved one in hospice looking for? Are they looking for um, maybe estate planning attorneys? Are they, and those could be people that you partner with. Um, are they looking for, I'm not sure. So you can kind of think about what are people who are the family or pa family of patients looking for and asking you about, and those are keywords you can leverage as you market your downloadable online. So you don't necessarily, and I would say it would be poor taste for you to say, here you go, I have a downloadable for sale to families directly right. at your job, right? <laughs> but I would right. say this is maybe an online play where you're going to target them with ads as they start to search for things that are indicative of someone who's planning for a terminal event for a life one, for a loved one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see how this pans out as you go through our consult like a boss challenge. So oh, yeah, working through it. <laughs> well, okay. it's great to have you in there. Thanks, Sarah. You're no. welcome. So D, I guess before I go, I see uh, you have a question. As a fashion stylist, do you think ebook is I know you listen to the show. Maybe go back and look look at Germany. Gerald is a guest that we had on, and she is a stylist who focuses on styling for corporate executives. I know she has a, a course that allows people to learn how to style themselves. So it's kind of a good entry point to her services. If you can't afford to work with her one-on-one, -on -one, either live or virtually, then you can learn how to do it yourself. So I would say find a niche for yourself. Maybe decide on um, maybe one aspect of styling that people tend to have the most trouble with. One of the articles I, I, I still remember to this day that I think I saw in Elle magazine was 10... Um, pieces that everyone must have in their closet or every woman must have in their closet by the time they're 30, something like that. And I always thought, well, some of these things are kind of expensive. Why, does, why doesn't someone teach me how to get them at a great price on sale? And that is a downloadable or a quick course that I wouldn't mind getting is learn how to get things cheap and on sale, but good quality that will last you a long time. So I would say check out that episode with Germany just to kind of get your thoughts um, going. And then as a stylist, you can see 
what are the things that you get asked the most? Or what are the problems? What are the things that people tend to have the most difficult time um, letting go of? Or what mentality are they? Uh, do they have the hardest time letting go of when they work with you? And perhaps you can find a way to package that into like a downloadable or a quick hit course that uh, you know kind of helps people do that. Um, I will let you know. I'm watching the Home Edit. The Home Edit is, I guess, we know the home edit ladies from Instagram, but now they have a Netflix show where they help people declutter their homes. And I absolutely love that because when I watch their closet declutters, people don't want to let go of things. I think they had Rachel, Rachel Zoe, I think as a client, she didn't want to let go of things in her, her closet. So, um, I, maybe a course on teaching people how to let go of things in their closet might be, might be helpful. These are all the free ideas. So let me know. I'd be excited to see what you decide, what you decide on. All right. I'll talk to y'all later. Have a good week. Bye. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. See you on the next one.